0: Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, I am sitting down with Dr. Christine Sterling. This is my second time recording with Dr. Sterling. You may remember her from an earlier episode where we talked about preparing for motherhood during pregnancy. Dr. Sterling's is an OBGYN practicing here in San Diego, and in this episode, I came to her with this question of the relationship between our menstrual cycles and mental health. I have found that with clients and in my own experience, that there seems to be a relationship where I maybe feel, if I'm somebody who struggles with anxiety, I may feel more anxious right before my period. And the there was a lot of power in being able to understand my cycle and be able to contextualize those symptoms when they did show up. But our episode turned out to be so much more than just that. We also talked about the women's movement. We explored what it means to talk to our daughters about their bodies and about learning about our own bodies. And Dr. Strilling offers some theories as to why women tend to feel a lot of shame when it comes to their bodies and their cycles. I'm so excited to share this episode with all of you, so let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Dr. Sterling, Hello. I am so happy to have you back.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to be here.
0: I knew we would do it. I knew that we would, we would come back and have dialogue again and get to do another episode. And I just, I wasn't sure what it would be about. There's so many things. And then I just found, I mean, this I've been having these conversations for a long time, but I just found more recently, been having more of them about the impact of our menstrual cycles on yeah. mental health. And, and then I thought to myself, well, who talks about periods? Like, <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, I guess we should. Yeah. We should talk about periods. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I, f- I first feel like I've I've been getting more aware of my own cycle um, over the last probably year or so, really. Because I think, honestly, before then, um, I don't know, I just... I think there was like a discourse there of people shouldn't ask me about my period and I shouldn't talk about my period. Right. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, Um,
0: I mean, and even to the point where like if my husband was ever like, well, are you about to start? I'm like, don't you even start? It's not about my period. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just upset. You know, but then there's a message in that where it's like there isn't there is there. I shouldn't tune in to where I am. I shouldn't have that sort of. I don't know, inner awareness, because I'm rejecting it if somebody else points it out to me. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, you've brought up a really
1: important point that I think, um, you know, if we can tie this into the bigger kind of women's movement, you know... um, the thing that we're all shying away from is this version of women that were hormonal and that were mm. hormonally driven. And I think that at the so be-
0: true. Oh yeah,
1: gosh. at the beginning of the women's movement, we really wanted to say, like, you know, what we're like, no, we're yeah. just like men. Like, yeah. you know, we can. We're not hormonally driven, and um, yeah, we like kind of rejecting that discourse as yes. the hormonal woman, which I think is actually important. I I, right. I, I want to be very careful about how I say these things because I I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that right. hormonal woman, but they our hormones do affect our behavior. It, so, so can it be both and? It can. Right? And it can because I think the thing that we we have data, we have studies that show that our, our behavior and how and our how we view our partners and our libido and our mood can be affected by our hormones and the the stage we are in our cycle. But that doesn't mean that, say you're in your fertile window and women's libido tends to go up in their fertile window. Women tend to have more sex during their fertile window, uh, especially when they're in paired relationships. But that doesn't mean that if, you know you're totally stressed out at work or, or you're sick or something that your hormones are going to drive you beyond that. Right. It's just a piece of, it's just a, a piece of the puzzle. Right. We're more than our hormones. And so I think any view of women that completely rejects our cycle is it is an incomplete picture, but we are not just, my behavior is so much more than my hormones. Mm. It's my intellect. It's my situation. It's my past experiences, but we still, so I think it's healthy to talk about it, to be aware of it. And then we, you know, we can kind of look at the patterns in our life and be aware of it. And then we can make more conscious decisions. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the stages of our cycle. Can can you can you share some wisdom with us for? I mean, I feel like I'm still I'm still learning about yeah. the different. It's not just okay right before my period, PMS. I'm going to be more irritable, more anxious, um, which are all true things for me <laughs> often. Or that during my fertile window, when I'm ovulating, I'm going to have a higher libido. Can you? can you share with us like our, what these different stages of our cycle? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No problem. So in general, your cycle is broken down into two stages. Um, you may have heard of the follicular phase, which is the, the, the first, let's say we'll, we'll say the average cycle is about 28 days. So the first two weeks of your cycle, and that is, that encompasses the first day of your menses, um, through the time that, you know, you, you shed your lining and then your ovaries are starting to produce to recruit follicles and create uh, a follicle that's going to ovulate. And so then the follicular phase ends at ovulation, and that's typically around two weeks into your cycle. And then you begin the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is when the lining of your, um, you know, you've ovulated and um, your, the lining of your, uterus is kind of preparing for potential pregnancy and so in the follicular phase your your uh female hormone of estrogen is is predominant and then in the luteal phase after you've ovulated progesterone comes along and kind of tells the lining of your your uterus like organize yourselves or (laughs) there may be a pregnancy coming along and then if no pregnancy occurs then we go right back to the um, follicular phase
0: okay and so, and can you share a little bit about these these different stages and the impact it might have on, let's say, energy or mental health or yeah. um, these sorts of things? So it really it's very
1: person dependent. So um, the numbers for people who have premenstrual syndrome or that it's more severe form premenstrual dysphoric dys, <laughs> disorder. Yeah. disorder um, Vary a lot, but almost everyone has some kind of either uh, physical symptoms or behavioral symptoms um, right before the onset of their menses during the luteal phase, and they typically they really peak around um, the the first the first day you know a few days before your cycle starts, and they usually relieve themselves within. Two to three days after your cycle yeah. starts, so some people just have like you know breast tenderness and some abdominal bloating is probably one of the most common um, physical complaints. You know there's other physical complaints as well, and then the the mood symptoms can be irritability, um, depressed mood, feeling sad, um, you know mood swings, that kind of stuff. And so true premenstrual syndrome is at least. You know, one physical or one behavioral symptom or affective symptom that affects your life. So mm-hmm. either socially, economically. So if you're missing work or you're, you're, um, you know. Getting in fights with your partner and that's affecting your relationship, It has to affect you some way. If you just have breast, functioning and yeah, so yeah, yeah,
0: occupational functioning or relational functioning, it's impacting
1: functioning. Exactly. So, so you know, if you just have breast tenderness and you go about your day, right? Yeah, you don't have PMS, you yeah. don't have premenstrual syndrome. But if you're missing work or yeah. you know, or you're finding that you know, <laughs> you're not you're not uh, functioning at the same level, then yeah. that could be premenstrual syndrome, and then. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD is a much more severe form of that. And that's much rarer. That's only about 2% of the, you know, of the population um, of women. And so that's, you know, that's five or more symptoms, one of which has to be a, uh, effective or behavioral symptom. Okay. And that is present for at least, you know, pretty much all as, you know, at least three consecutive cycles, but most of the year that that's most present, severe. and that's a that's a much more severe form, and that affects people quite significantly.
0: because yeah. I find for myself as I've become more in tune with my own cycle, um, and it's really helped me to be in tune with like to be aware of like, the length of my cycle, mm-hmm. when I'm ovulating, how oft how long after ovulation am I usually starting my period? Um, but I find that. For me, the symptoms can look—it's like it's—it's it's, for me, it's more anxiety. So all yeah. of a sudden, um, thoughts that I'm not used to having will creep in, or maybe I—I I, I have them, but in other points in time, I'm able to be like, "Oh, that's there's that thought creeping yep. in. Like, what is that telling me?" But right before my period, these thoughts will creep in, and it's like they're more powerful, and like they—I like can feel—I like can feel them more physically, the impact yeah. physically on my body. Um, and then it's harder for me to, it's harder for me to, to work around it. Right. Right. And to sort of like name it. What's interesting is that as I become more aware of my cycle, that if those things are happening and that sort of like low, like that, like kind of like consistent anxiety is there, um, or just feeling like I'm in a state of like fear or fight or flight, if I'm able to, if, like, I feel that my breasts are tender, all of a sudden I'm like, oh. And <laughs> the minute that I'm able to sort of name it and yeah. kind of contextualize the experience of it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the symptoms go away. Right. But I feel like I have more um, control. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So are there, and then for me it's interesting that after my, pe- so the minute I get my period, maybe, like, that day or the next day, they seem yep. to really dissipate and go away. And then after my period is usually the time that I feel like I'm the most productive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Is there are there things that people can be aware of or be doing that you feel like are sort of proactive in awareness of their cycle and the impact that it has on them? Certainly.
1: I think if you're if you're experiencing if you're experiencing PMS and if it's mild, I think that you can really change your lifestyle around that time to, um, minimize how much it affects you, Mm -hmm. you know, um, certainly getting enough sleep, minimizing caffeine, especially if irritability or anxiety, um, are are predominant symptoms for you getting exercise, those types of things can really help. And if, you know, there, there are certainly, um, you know, pharmacologic treatments for PMS and PMDD. But if it's mild, you may not want to go that route, you know? And so I like to say this to a lot of my patients who um, decide not to go to a pharmacologic route for, you know, a myriad of, you know things like PMS or, or postpartum, uh, depression or anxiety is that your life kind of has to be your drug then. Mm. And you, you Mm -hmm. need to take you, that needs to be a priority for you. And it's so easy to have it not be a priority because we're just like, Oh, you know, it's my cycle. I feel like, you know, a couple days before my, my period comes on, I just feel like crap. And you can, if if it's okay with your lifestyle to surrender to that and not, and just like live in that space, then do it. But if, if that bothers you, then being aware of it, I think, can really help you make choices in those days that positively impact your mood. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. There's even simple things like I'm sure, as a therapist, I'm sure you know that there's um, a technique that half smile technique that you hold a smile is it, for ten minutes. Yeah, yeah ten yeah. minutes. You hold a half smile, and it's it's kind of a smile that you're not like beaming a smile, but right. you just you hold a, a half smile so that. Maybe the person next to you wouldn't even really notice. You right. hold a hot smile for ten minutes, yeah. like that kind of stuff is just like little, little coping, things. yeah, little, little things, things that like
0: trigger your brain, right? And yeah. can actually be supportive. Yeah. So looping back to what we sort of started with in terms of this, the hormonal woman, right? yeah, and yeah, yeah. the women's movement, because I find that now that my partner and I. Right, now that I've sort of moved past like if he if like if he says, Oh, are you about to start your period? Like if yeah. I am, you know yeah, yeah. being extra <laughs> irritable, like I just fully rejected that yeah. and would get even more upset, right? Um, and so then he was like, Well I'm gonna shut up and never talk about yeah, this yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that we've, you know, done a little bit more work around this because mm-hmm. I think that I think that bringing him into sort of where I am is really useful. Yeah. But there's still this like stickiness around me saying I'm about to start my period. Yeah. Um, where then, I don't know, like there's like I think there's a fear of if I say that then I'm not going to be taking oh, yes. seriously yes. for anything that I'm expressing <laughs> yeah. that is wrong or that I'm upset with or that yeah. I'm f- having any sort of feeling about. I don't know. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts just about that piece because I think there's, there's, there's a link there right to sort of some of the the rejection of the hormonal woman. Yes. Um, and so then it, that may keep us from tuning in with our partners yeah. about sort of where we're at.
1: Well, you know this. It completely depends on your partner, right? Because yeah. there's going to be men out there that are the second that you open up that way are going to, you know... <laughs> it negates some of what you say. So I think that, you know, you have to know your partner and you have to know the people. There's certainly, there's going to be people in your life who can, can honor that. And you can say, you know, I might be a little bit more sensitive now. I I tend to be a little bit more sensitive now, but that doesn't negate the way that I feel. Right. And I feel like what you said, this, blah, blah, blah. I didn't like that, Right. you know? And you know, yeah, sometimes we're also, you know, we're also more sensitive when we don't get a good night's sleep. Right, exactly. And when, and when we're, yeah. we have a cold and all of these other things. And I think that, gosh, or when somebody's yelled at us at work that day, we come yeah. home and we're more sensitive. So there's, I think that, you know, um, if we can just... Think about our cycle as just a piece of the puzzle, and be aware of it. Just like I'm aware that when I am after I've done a 24-hour shift, I'm right. super sensitive. Well, and like I tell my I, husband if I haven't
0: ate, like I get yes. angry, like I'm going to yes. be irritable. Things are going to come out of my mouth much quicker than they would if my stomach is yeah
1: but these other things don't happen Mm. in such a cyclical nature right right. and so
0: and they're not just one gender exactly (laughs) exactly
1: yeah so I think it's you know I think that um we're we're kind of in this this time that we're we're treading lightly because we we want to I really think that we need to acknowledge that yes women are different yes women have cycles and um that's okay and that doesn't make us less than because that's how it, I mean that's how we used to be seen and by many people we still are seen right. as, as as less than yeah. and even women themselves sometimes yeah. feel that about themselves so
0: I'm hoping that some men are listening <laughs> <laughs> for the men that are listening what would you say what would you say to the men who are listening to, to, to also bring them into um, understanding this experience in sort of like the both and way for women I think what I would um, say
1: to men is that there are so many things that go into affecting our behavior and many of them are hidden to us. Mm. And just because we are able to see that the, the that the cycle, if you know your partner, right, right, that you can see like, oh this is this the, comes up with the, the cycle. The rhythm of, the it. Rhythm of mm-hmm. it. Just because you can see that doesn't mean that that's not always happening with other things and so it it really doesn't negate how someone feels Mm -hmm. I think that there's just certain times where we you know we're more sensitive to disruptions in our expectations and disruptions in our life and whether that's our cycle or sleep or food or any of the things that make us human we are human and that's that's you know that's okay
0: and I think also you know when it comes to intimacy and sex, yeah, you know, there are going to be certain times in the month when you're, it, when sex actually potentially may be more painful for your partner yeah. because of where they are on their cycle. Yeah. Um, and I think that, or they may, they may not ha- have as high of a libido. Yeah. Right. And I think I've experienced in working with couples that a lot of partners will feel rejection. Oh, I right. Know. Yeah. And so feel, to feel like that's a rejection um, but when we are, when the, when both are sort of aware and familiar with like the the way in which, um, you know, her body is moving through this rhythm, yeah, that it actually can, like, the context of that can be really, really useful and supportive. Totally agree for the couple in terms of like yeah. intimacy and um, communication about sort of where where she is at and where he is at. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so. One thing this is just something that happened recently and I was just so struck by it. So I when I when I'm on my period and I need to go change my tampon mm-hmm. I will go through great lengths to hide the fact that this is what I'm about to do. Yeah. And I was so interesting because recently I'm a professor and I, I was in class and a student, a female student had to go to the bathroom and clearly had to, you know, change her tampon. She whipped it out. She was just like, flink, flink, you know, yeah. There was just there was no shame, and I was in Isn't so. Isn't that much, beautiful? <laughs> I was in so much awe of yeah. her. Like I wanted to say something and I yeah. didn't because I was like, it's, you know, she's just. I don't. This is this is my thing. Right, 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 right yeah. <laughs> this is my like, my internal piece of like, why am I so, like a, like why do I have to protect, the world around me.
1: Girl, how I much am, time do you have? That
0: I am a woman, <laughs> yeah. and that this is yeah. something that I have that I'm gonna do, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously we don't have all day, but I would love to yeah. hear like a little bit of your thoughts on some of totally. this connected to like the shame and.
1: Well, I'm I'm immensely proud of the generation of women that's yeah. coming up. Me I really too. am, and you know, and and women our generation too, yeah, because man the when i look back on the the environment that that our generation was raised in and the generation before us the gen xers i mean it's it's so toxic that oh, environment yeah. to um just an understanding of our own anatomy right. and, and being comfortable i did i mean i did the I don't have a say. I don't have a period anymore because I'm a reina. But when I yeah. did, when I was, you know, it's been a long time. But when I was in college and high school, yeah, I did the same thing. Totally yeah. wanted to hide that tampon as, as I mean, like, like, like far like, up my sleeve like, as I possibly right, could. Like, yes, yes.
0: And like if you don't have sleeves, or like but but oh my gosh, if you don't have like pockets. Yeah. It's like, well I'm gonna bring my whole book back yeah. yeah. to the bathroom. Totally. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? Why yeah. am I trying to who am I trying to protect this from? Well I think that
1: I think that part of the answer I think it's different in different cultures. So I can't speak to every culture because I think that, you know, it's that. it's different around the world and it's different in different parts of our culture within this, this country. But I think that for us, a lot of it had to do with the way we've been marketed to as a consumer society. So I was recently reminded of a ad campaign that Hanes underwear ran, Hanes underwear for women ran in the eighties, but it said gentlemen prefer Hanes for women's underwear. Oh my gosh
0: it's not about us. No. It's not like, about us.
1: And think about okay. the movies, like the movies mm-hmm. that we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Especially those 80s movies, the like teen movies where it was I mean, the girl's entire validation yeah. was how she was seen by the guy. Yeah. You know? So we've we've been marketed to as well you your your vagina needs to to smell like spring. Yes. You you need to not, you know, periods make men uncomfortable, yeah. so let's so hide it. Yeah, so hide it. Mm-hmm. And I mean even even grooming practices, right. right? I mean I can remember when I was in high school and I played, I, I played water polo and I was on the swim team. And I can remember getting undressed and some of the older girls coming up to me and being like, you know, boys don't like your hair like oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we did it to each other. You know, oh, I'm sure, I'm other. sure those girls now I'd like to think that they'd be totally mortified that they said that to yeah. someone, but you know, we were, I just remember that kind of that mm. culture of like, you know that's what the movies were telling us that's what advertisements were telling us and we were telling it to each other that yeah. that our that our worth was really how you know we were perceived by yeah that. exactly exactly so i think that has a large part to, a lot to do with it i think our health education is also and i, I can't speak to what it's what it is now because i'm not a student now but was abysmal i mean we, we've done studies and we've seen that women are far more aware of their internal anatomy mm. than their external anatomy. Wow. Like, they, in anatomy that they can't see and right. probably doesn't matter as much that they know. Right. But I have 60-year-old women who will come into my practice and they'll say, there's a black hole down there and I need you to look at it. I'm very concerned. Yeah, and I look, and what they're talking about is their urethra. Yeah, and where their urine where comes their out. Where their
0: urine comes from? No Com- clue. No
1: idea. I, all the time, I take women through their. I have we have mirrors in our practice, yeah. and I take yeah. women through their anatomy because they, they, they don't know. They don't know. And that you know what? It's not. That's not to shame anyone who doesn't no, know. Right. It's not because when when was a diagram of our external anatomy right. ever ever put up for us and said, "This is your labia majora. Yeah. This is your labia minora. This is your clitoris. Right. You know, this is your clitoral hood. Yeah. This is where your your vaginal opening is. Yeah. This is where your urine comes out. I mean, this is this is really basic anatomy that that a lot of women don't know.
0: So, I'm a parent to a daughter. You're a parent yeah. to a daughter. Yeah. Um, I'm also a parent to a son, right? So right. this isn't just about educating women, right? This is how can we help raise this next generation to to not go through the pain and suffering, right? Right. right?
1: Well, that I mean that's a huge that's a that's a huge passion of mine, personally and professionally. Um, so when I change Celeste' diaper, so I have a 17 month old, so she's yeah. still in diapers. <laughs> so when I change her diaper, I teach her anatomy, just like I teach her about her nose, her eyes, yeah. her ears. So, you know, obviously she's very much going to be the daughter of an OB-GYN because she's going to know all the, the technical oh, yeah. terms. But the, you know, the area above your labia where, you know, you have your 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 pubic hair in between your legs, that's yeah. called the mons. And so I tell her, this is I your, your mons. I didn't know that. I, you know, most people don't. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty technical term, but it's a cute term. I like, yeah. I like it. I mean, what people call it... Um, in yeah. colloquial terms. I really don't like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't even want to say it. I think you all know what I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> yes. We don't need to say it, but we do know. I it. hate mm-hmm. that word, but yeah, it's called, so it's called the mons. Yeah. Great. You know, very like benign sounding term. So, yeah. you know, I know people are afraid to kind of say labia and vagina and all that stuff, right. but we really shouldn't be. So I teach her about her labia because she's before puberty, she only yeah. has one set of labia. She her labia minora have not developed yet, and then she has a clitoris and a clitoral hood and an troitus And I literally teach her, all, teach those her words. all those words. Yeah, and you know, and we will you know, kids soon discover that they have a a pleasure organ. Yes. <laughs> that they have an organ that yep. feels good when they touch it. Yeah. And I think you know, when we when whenever it is that Celeste discovers that. Um, I'll have an age-appropriate discussion yeah. with her about that. And I think yeah. that, you know, my husband's also a physician, so we're, we're very much like, this is your anatomy, this is what it does, mm. and we really don't want to sign any shame. We want to teach her that it's private and that yeah. other people shouldn't be touching it, right. but it's not shameful. Right. And it's not shameful that she has... An area of her body that, when it's touched, feels feels good. Good. Yeah, and that
0: she wants to explore that.
1: Exactly, like totally okay. And I think, you know, I even think about the fact that no one ever talked to me about what an orgasm was, Mm -hmm. or what it, what that meant, or what it felt like. Yeah, and nobody ever told me that, hey, when you have sex, yeah, you should have an orgasm. Yeah, it's not, it's not just about the man. And you know, I, I don't think that I. I want to navigate actually teaching my daughter to have an orgasm. I think I want her to do that on her own. Yeah. But I do think that it's, it's. I want to tell her that, that when you have intercourse, yeah. that that should be a part of it. Yeah. And give, her. I mean, there's resources out there that teach women yeah. about that. I think, I think so many women, I yeah. mean, so many women have just gotten so used to having intercourse without having an orgasm because... Yeah. It's 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 as if we were just having sex just for the men, yeah. you know. Um, and that, and you know, obviously, we're we're talking about heterosexual couples yes. here. You know, I think actually same-sex couples are much better than yeah, heterosexual couples. Yeah, I think couples. so. Yeah, um, you know, because, but yeah, I think it's it's a shame. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, you were talking about a word that is often used to describe vaginas yeah. um, earlier, and it's interesting because people will say people will call somebody who is weak that word yeah right um so to the p if anybody's wondering like what, what are they talking about <laughs> yeah. um and it's so interesting because i remember recently um hearing somebody say that like oh he or is. i think it was a he he's such a yeah p. and i'm just gonna say it pussy um, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a pussy um and and thinking to myself vaginas are so strong yeah like oh my the god that, the things yeah. that vaginas go through yeah i mean especially not being a mother yeah like
1: it's just weird. and their ability to heal and their ability my god. to heal
0: yeah. and their resiliency yes, yes, yes like yes, yes. why where did that come from where did where did we decide that the word pussy means weak and bad and i mean that's yeah. you know i mean i think we all know where it came from but it's just it's just so i mean and again that's I mean, how often do we hear that in the I message know, that I comes know. with that? that? I, I think
1: that there's, you know, and I have this the- this theory I've had for a long time, and you know, there's probably people who study this and are know much more about this than I do, but I feel like there's, you know, the this depiction of women as the weaker sex is is twofold. I mean, we know that f- from a physical perspective, uh, women do not have the muscle mass um, that most men do on in you know general terms. Then when we talk about women, as you know, in a way, we're more connected to nature, right? We're the ones who cycle, mm-hmm. and and like we see the cycles in nature, mm-hmm. we cycle too, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we bleed right. once a month if we're um, if we're cycling, and we have babies, and we are this representation of the almost our animal aspect, yeah. you know, that we are not just these evolved minds, but we are very much a part of nature yeah. and we are animals. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, with the, the industrial revolution and all of that, we were trying to kind of reject mm. ourselves as, as animals. And we're saying, no, 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 we're going to build all these, mm-hmm. these structures and we're going to, yeah. we're going to separate ourselves from nature. And we're going to, mm. you know, we're going to create this, this other level of, um, that's separate from that and protected from nature. And women are just this constant reminder that like, nope,
0: you're an an animal, we're animals, animals. you're an animal, I'm an animal, animal.
1: we're all part of this and we can, we can create all the buildings we want and we can create all the, uh, all the, you know, the language we want and all of it, science,
0: technology,
1: all of it. But we, at the end of the day are still part of nature. And so I think that that may be a piece of Interesting. I don't know. I've always thought that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what else do you want to talk about? (laughs) I mean, there's so, there's so much. I mean, are there, were there any things that, you know, knowing that you were coming into this conversation, um, that we haven't touched on yet that you feel like is, is, is relevant, important.
1: Well, Next one stage. thing I think that's important that people know is that I think a lot of people, and I get it, I mean, multiple times a day in my office, I think that a lot of people who are experiencing PMS or experiencing um, PMDD or something else think that they have a hormonal imbalance. Mm. I mean, I—I mm-hmm. I mean, that's like one of the most common things oh, people Oh, I hear that out. all
0: the time, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, when clients become aware of their cycle and they see a connection between their mental health and the rhythms of their cycle... We'll say, I think I have a hormonal imbalance. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So the interest, the, the, the data is really clear on this. Okay. The, the hormones between a woman who experiences PMS or PMDD and a woman who doesn't are the, are the same. So that wow. they don't differ. It's not that your hormones are imbalanced. There is some, there's, we don't know what it is, but there's a genetic difference between mm. women who experience it and women okay. who don't. And it's probably way more complex than you know, but, you know, we're looking at some, um, estrogen receptor genes. Um, they, they looked at serotonin because serotonin, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Zoloft and Prozac really work. SSRIs. Yeah. SSRIs really work. Um, so they looked at the serotonin receptor, maybe the serotonin receptor, and that didn't, that didn't really pan out, but there's something, there's a difference there. Mm. It's likely genetic. Um, and we don't know what it is, but it's not, you can't, you can't necessarily balance your hormones to get rid of it. Right. The first line treatment for PMS and PMDD is an SSRI. Okay. And then some people will, you know, we, you can use birth control to shut yeah. down the cycle, but that's not first line.
0: That's not first line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's really helpful. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that we talked about vaginas today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Dr. Sterling always where a pleasure can people where can people find you and continue to follow your work if the things that you're saying are really speaking to them
1: so on instagram i'm dr dr sterling dr sterling O-B-G-Y-N. sterling is like sterling silver and then i have a website where i occasionally blog when i have time and that's the sterlinglife.com
0: thank you so much christine oh
1: i loved being here
0: thanks for having me You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.